Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 60, Henry's Crime, from 2010. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today we have Jess Collins. Hi, Jess. Hey, how's it going? Hi, good. So before we get into this movie, three quick bits of housekeeping in our continued effort to get to the movies, to get to the hits. We skipped three more things leading up to this. The first thing we skipped was The Day the Earth Was Green which is, I would imagine, some kind of environmental short on the day the Earth stood still DVD Blu-ray. Like Mike watched the great warming documentary, there was nothing to talk about there. I feel like this is the same sort of thing. Is that movie had like an environmental message, right? And so I can only imagine this is like a five or ten minute thing about like, hey, do your part or otherwise aliens are going to come down and destroy our planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't aware how environmentally conscious Keanu was before doing Keanu Club. So, I mean, if there's anything to gain from all of this, I think it's just that he's uh, he cares about the planet Earth. And he, he wants it to be here long after he's gone. The second thing we skipped was Easy to Assemble slash Sparhusen. It's a TV web series. There's at least one episode on YouTube. It's basically A Mighty Wind, the Christopher Guest movie, if A Mighty Wind was about people from Sweden. And Keanu is a music producer who's super into the sounds of whales, right? Yeah, that's like his whole thing is, um, like, Phil Spector had the wall of sound. He has the whale of sound. Oh, uh, so that's what they, they bring him in uh, to sort of spruce up their uh, their song. It's funny because, like, the band looked like Kraftwerk, but, and you expect them to be, like, an industrial-type band, but they sound more like the Beatles or something. So that was... I thought that was part of part of the joke that kind of worked. And I was I was trying to figure out why he's in such a low budget thing. Then I remembered that it was created by Ileana Douglas, who he probably met on the set of Action, that TV show back, the Jay Moore TV show back right before The Matrix. So maybe they were friends. I don't know, but like it's it's crazy low budget for him to be involved with. But it's cool that he's down for whatever. Yeah, and this was the Sparhuten thing is actually a spinoff from from her web series Easy to Assemble, which is basically about working at Ikea. It was kind of like an earlier web show where they were called like webisodes instead of like an actual web series. Uh, and then this this Sparhuten thing, I think, was like sort of an offshoot idea from that that they, uh, that they ran with. The one part I really liked that got a huge laugh out of me was when Keanu first comes on screen, he's wearing these giant sunglasses, and then he takes them off, and he's got another, another pair, pair of sunglasses yep. on underneath, and that was pretty much the main gag in the entire thing. And then the third thing we skipped is this documentary called A Man's Story, which is a documentary about British fashion designer Oswald Botang. Don Cheadle's in it, Michael Bay is in it, Jamie Foxx is in it, Gabriel Byrne is in it, Prince Charles is in it, Richard Branson's in it. I own the DVD, but this is this is one that Mike didn't even watch. Yeah, there was about like about a month or so ago. There was a day I took a day or two to watch all of these documentaries to see if they were actually worth talking about. And this is one I forgot to watch. I got lost in that mix that day weekend, that lost weekend of Keanu <laughs> documentaries. Uh, there was like six or something that I watched. It was crazy. I was losing it. So I missed this one, and I decided not to even watch it to talk about it here now. And sadly, it probably would have served us just as well to have missed or forgotten Henry's crime, because this movie is pretty much nothing, in my opinion. It's underwhelming to me, which is sort of par for the course now, and I'm really disappointed by that. Jess, when you sign up to do this movie... 
Had you heard of this before? Like the last movie that I did, I had no idea anything about it. I didn't read anything about it. I decided to watch it. And so right now I'm living with my parents and my mom watched this movie with me and the movie was over. And her exact quote was, so what happened? The movie can't be over. And I said, well, yeah, it's over. The credits are, they're rolling. And she was like, well, we don't even know what happened. I can't believe it. Yeah, this movie was was rough. I feel like we're on a downswing with Keanu here in the uh, late 2000s. Was this by any chance like straight to video, Joey? Would you know like the release history of this? Because I don't, I never heard of this movie before Keanu Club. Let me look it up. Henry's Crime. It was in theaters. It made two hundred and four thousand dollars in theaters. Uh, let me see if I can find the budget. I'm, I'm getting conflicting reports now. So the budget, according to Google, is $12 million, which feels probably about right. Yeah, you got James Caan and you yep. got Keanu. So Google says the box office was $2.2 million, but Box Office Mojo says 200000 So I'm going to go with Box Office Mojo over Google. Yeah, this, I just don't understand this movie like it was one of these movies it's rare that it comes along but i feel like i don't understand it and it kind of like just broke me halfway through and i just ended up watching it in sort of a daze until it ended like it never before was have i sort of encountered like a first act quite like this where all these things happen to the main character but like he's completely unaffected by him and like he just can't react or emote or feel anything it's just really weird to watch it's a little bit meta because he's playing a bad actor in a role in a, like in a movie where his role is like doesn't have any range. So it's weird to see him, you know, stereotypically this not great actor Keanu Reeves that we've talked about for 60 episodes now playing a character with limited role like and he's not good at that. So it's it's this weird twist on reality kind of. Yeah, I wrote down that he had more emotions acting like an actor than he did actually portraying his role. Yeah, because Keanu, the toll booth teller and getaway driver, that version like is just he's just wooden. He's just really like a cardboard cutout. I don't I don't want to be mean because I do like a lot of Keanu's work, but it's almost like the ultimate Keanu part. It's like you just need to stand there and be a presence. Like, but then. When he meets Vera Farmiga and gets hit by the car and stuff, the movie kind of picks up a little bit, but I just think because her energy is so good, her sort of inclusion in this movie kept me going. But yeah, it's really not until the end when he becomes part of the play that his actual acting as an actor in the movie is okay and (laughs) seems good, but him acting in the rest of the film just doesn't elicit like anything from me. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I, I mean, when I first started watching the movie, I'm like, okay... Is he, like, mentally unwell? (laughs) You know, did he, like, is he a few crayons short of a, like, Crayola box? I don't really understand what's happening. I mean, it's like you said, you know, all of this stuff is happening to him, and he's just, like, not emoting at all. I don't understand, you know, why he let these things happen to himself. He comes home from work, and his wife's like, do you love me anymore? And he's like, eh. And, like, he gets arrested for the, uh, he doesn't know he's going to be in a, stick up but he thinks he's going to play softball but he gets arrested for robbing a bank and they're like you're going to go to jail he's like eh, yeah all right like whatever the setup to this movie just didn't get didn't get me like i don't feel like they set 
him up well. Like, there's way too much going on in that first act to, to get him where he needs to be. I almost feel like the movie should have started with him being released from prison, and you find out along the way that he shouldn't have been arrested. He was the getaway driver, but it was sort of like he didn't know he was going to be a getaway driver. I just feel like all that could have been revealed throughout the film instead of those first, like, 20 minutes. So my big problem with this movie is that all movie long, it's setting up a double con. At least to me, I would have put money on the fact that either James Caan or Vera were going to, like... I thought it was, like, a long, like, twisted con that somehow Vera and, like, James Caan had teamed up and that they were going to take Keanu out of all of his money, but none of that ever happened. Because, like, they're talking about, like, what's a con man? He's like, I call it a confidence man. And, like, and maybe it's, that's what you're supposed to think, but it felt like, and maybe just because we watched Matchstick Men recently, but it felt like Keanu was sort of the sucker in here that he was being manipulated the whole time by James Caan, by Vera, into becoming part of this play and having that specific dressing room and having like you know helping them dig the tunnel and robbing the bank which they do successfully to know like it just okay but like i really thought that like she was gonna screw him over or something and like drive off with james Kahn and he was gonna get busted again but none of that happens and i don't know if i read into this too much or if that was something that was actually it felt like it was hinted at in the movie but i was really waiting for like the twist the reveal like the oh, you're getting screwed over. And then just for that moment to be the guy who, like, inducted him into the first one that he got arrested for, but then they, like, dispatch him quickly. So, like, it's all just, like, super weird. Like, it's all straightforward with no twists or turns. Yeah, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I didn't really understand why, you know, Vera was, like, totally okay with being surrounded by felons. Like, she didn't question it. She just went along with everything. Oh, man, I don't know. I wrote that at one point, is James Conn her father? You know, like, that <laughs> That to me is where I was going, too. Like, I absolutely thought they were setting all this con artist stuff up for a twist end. But yeah, it's just none of that. I don't feel like they were trying to fool us, either. I just feel like this was a relationship story set around a bank heist, right? Like I wanted the bank heist movie, but instead it's about Keanu learning to love again, like by like trying to plan a heist and falling in love with one of the actresses at the theater that has the tunnel that they used to use for bootlegging that connects to the old bank ball. Like it's all very convoluted and it just it just feels like it should be more in the foreground, all this bank robbery stuff, but there's a lot of just hanging out at the theater, talking about the play, watching rehearsals, all that crap too. But like even if that was the case, like him learning how to love again he is, like, totally okay when he gets out of prison and Judy Greer is like, I met someone and she's pregnant and, you know, she's married now or engaged or dating or living with whatever this pyramid scheme salesman. He's totally okay with it. He, like, lets things roll off his back, which is cool, but, like, that can't be the moral of him, like, learning to love again if... Because there was no sign that he was ever, like, remorseful or regretful or bitter that Judy Greer left him. Yeah, I don't know. He wasn't even upset when... I'm just going to call him the plague. Fisher Stevens character. I think, <laughs> I think his name's Lenny. You know, he was just like, he's okay with him coming back in the picture and helping them. I mean, I, I don't understand. Like, if this was me, I would have punched that guy right in the face. Like, wouldn't be allowed anywhere near my heist. I don't know. This movie, it just, it made me angry. This is the first time I've watched one of these movies and all I've written down are questions. 
It's too bad, too, because Keanu, I feel like, is the perfect mark for a movie like this. Like, he, even though it wasn't the best movie when we watched Street Kings, like, the whole thing was, you know, his friends sort of, like, setting up this conspiracy to save his neck, and, like, he had to be Keanu the Ignorant in order for all of it to work. And I almost feel like the same thing could have been here, is, like, he is sort of playing a character that is the perfect mark and it's a wasted opportunity and it makes no sense that he falls in love with Vera Formiga who isn't a nice person you know like is kind of an ice queen and uh, I don't get the sense that she really likes his character all that much I get more the sense that she's just trying to like find some satisfaction in her life somewhere anywhere and along comes Keanu so like who wouldn't try to pursue him for for a night or two but it's just i don't see how he falls for her i don't see him robbing the bank in the first place like he's not a criminal he's not a crook he has no experience with any of that beforehand and i don't get why he's such a good actor like that's the weirdest thing is like we gotta rob the bank next door to the theater so you join the play (laughs) and we'll rob the bank like what is that i got an idea what if you played Lepakin? What? If you played Lepakin, we could get in that tunnel anytime we wanted to. They have Lepakin. What? What if they didn't? What do you mean? What do I mean? What if they didn't have Lepakin? I can't be Lepakin. I'm not an actor. Well, you're not a bank robber either. You're doing that, aren't you? Max, come on. Listen. She said you were a natural. So? So, a natural is a natural. And a natural means that you can do it. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. You're going to be Lepakin. There has to be another way. No, this is the way. I don't know, Max. Listen, you want the banker, don't you? Yeah, I want it. Well, then you're going to be Lepakin. End the story. You're going to be great. I swear to you. It's crazy. You're going to be great. It was it was like and this is a movie that I've never seen, but it felt like they were setting up that Ashley Judd movie Double Jeopardy. Yes. It's like, oh, I've been convicted of robbing this bank. If I rob the same bank, they can't charge me with the same crime. But like, it's a different crime. Like it's a, it, like that. Like that's that seems <laughs> to be his inspiration when he's in that bathroom of the theater and looks at the wall and sees like the bootlegging newspaper article. He's like, oh, I can just do the same thing and not get caught. I mean, I feel like okay. I feel like this entire movie, and there's there's no useful trivia on IMDb, so there's like, nobody cares about this movie. I feel like this whole movie came out of the fact that somebody somewhere was like, if you do the time, you might as well do the crime. And they're like, how can we make a movie about that? And then they just wrote a movie around that line. I figured it out. You figured what out? My dream. Oh, that's good, good. So what is it? The bank. The bank is your dream. Yeah. Um, what bank? The one I didn't rob. That's your dream? Yeah. What kind of cockamamie dream is that? I did the time. I may as well have done the crime. Uh, Time crime. Uh, Right. Because, like, there's no other reason for, like, that to lead to what... Like, it's... Because he's not a bad guy. He's just sort of, like, a straight down-the-road guy. There's no transformation... He's pretty much the same guy at the beginning as he is at the end. It's just strange. If we're going to get, like, super meta on this, it's a crime that someone even thought to make this movie, and they had the thought to make it, and they're like, you know what? Let's just go through with it. Let's just see what happens. And I wish they wouldn't have. Neither do I. It's a tough one. 
So here is my brush with celebrity, and this is like brush in the most roundabout sense. But Vera Farmiga, the Farmiga family was raised or something. They were all born in my town. And her younger brother, Alex, who is not a celebrity because, you know, Thaisa is her younger sister. I think she's got another sister who maybe acted a little bit, but like, you know, Vera's significantly older. She's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Thais is in a bunch of stuff, but her younger brother, Alex, is my age, and he was in my fifth grade class. He was a nice kid, but there was nothing, you know, I wasn't really super friends with him. And then a couple years later, they moved away. And then like a couple years after that, they're like, oh, uh, you know, the Farmiga family, you know, Vera's in this new Scorsese movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm like, what? Like, that's, so like, that is my brush with celebrity. And like, my tiny little town where nothing ever happens and, you know, 2,000 people or whatever, the Farmiga family, like, if if you look up where I'm from on Wiki, like, there's, like, notable, like, celebrities or notable alumni or whatever. It's just, like, it's her. Like, that's it. Like, so it's it's cool. <laughs> like, that's the closest I get. So I sort of have a my own personal connection to this movie. It's more like a lost connection. <laughs> I hear it. You know, like, you guys probably crossed paths in the supermarket without even realizing it one day. <laughs> ooh, like a Craigslist misconnection? Like, ooh, you, 42, beautiful movie star, me, at the time, like, 18. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Oh, you know what I you know what I did like about this movie? Even though it felt mostly entirely out of place, I I did like the soundtrack. I did not feel like it went along with the movie in the way that the movie wanted it to. Like but there's some really great soul music in this movie and so um you know, check out the soundtrack or, or at least look it up on YouTube and check out a couple of the songs, add them to your collection. It reminded me okay, so I think this movie especially does not compare well because we just watched Out of Sight and that is you know a perfect crime movie a perfect heist movie it's funny it's everything you want it to be this is close enough to that to compare to that and just fall short in every regard the music in this felt at times not necessarily the soul music but some of it felt like that kind of music like the music from the Ocean's Eleven movie it's just like the whole feel of this like what they were going for was done perfectly 12 years earlier by Steven Soderbergh with Out of Sight, and here it's just like, okay. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem is Out of Sight or Soderbergh with his heist film sort of set a new precedent of what a fun, cool heist movie should be like, and I feel like this wasn't supposed to be a fun, cool heist movie. It's supposed to be sort of like a thinky, dramatic, weird heist movie, but they crammed it into like an Oceans type style. You know, they tried to cram the, the out, of st- out of sight style into this story, and I just feel like therein lies the conflict. I, it doesn't seem like this is a story where a bunch of people are going to be, you know, snappy and well-dressed and like having fun pulling off the heist. And this one, it's like a, it's a chore and it's a burden and all that type of stuff. So, so like the poppy cool music doesn't really fit with what I'm watching. Yeah. You know, did, I don't know, Jess, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but there's a movie that came out this year, maybe last year, I guess, depending on where you live. But I know Mike and I saw this year. Mike, did you get vibes early on before he got arrested? I felt like it felt like Patterson, the Jim Jarmusch movie with Adam Driver. Yeah, I felt like that, too, especially at the very beginning, the like opening scene where he's just like driving from his job. Yeah. Yeah, it felt just like that. And I was like, oh, if this is like a movie where like he and Judy Greer are just like hanging out at their house and I'm okay with that because like Patterson's a really super weird movie, but like 
it's cool because like nothing really happens and that's okay here nothing really happens and that's a big problem yeah i, I now that you mentioned it yeah i see that totally and i was ready for a movie about a toll booth worker that looked like Keanu. Like, yeah. I would have been fine with that. And so that when he gets arrested, I'm like, wait, what? what's happening now? Like, what movie is this turning into and everything? And, and and that's sort of the moment in Patterson. Like, you know, around the time that Keanu gets arrested in this and it turns into the wrong movie is sort of the same time around Patterson where I realize I'm really going to like that movie because he starts reading and writing poetry. And, you know, you, get, you start getting more into the head of the character. And, and I really like that character. So... Yeah, it would have worked a lot better if he had just never went to jail and tried to work out his marital issues with his wife. Did I just say that? Like, do I want to see that movie instead? <laughs> well, I don't want to see this movie, so, like, whatever it's going to be, like, make it better than this, because, wow, like, it, ooh. Oh, you know what else? I was getting vibes of Small Time Crooks a little, that Woody Allen movie. Like, if this was a, a comedy about a bunch of actors who found a tunnel underneath the theater and decided to rob the bank, that could have worked for me also. <laughs> like, especially the cast of people they had in the play I thought there was a couple like you got Peter Stormare in here back yeah but like with nothing to do right but yeah he yells a couple times but it would have been great to see him digging in the tunnel yeah we have a couple cage connections I mean you said he was back from Constantine Peter Stormare was in three cage movies Judy Greer was in Adaptation James Caan was in Honeymoon in Vegas this felt more like a like cage would be better in this like it's like a bumbling criminal than Keanu like I don't, I don't know it just well this is like this is like Keanu's stolen I guess, but it's like stolen's fun though. This is not yeah. fun. Stolen is is one of my favorite <laughs> guilty pleasures of the last few years. I do have to criticize this movie because it's set in New York and they don't even have Easy Pass, they have Through Pass. So I guess like they couldn't get clearance from Easy Pass. Like, he's not an Easy Pass person, he's a Through Pass guy. So oh man, whatever. This movie had three writers, believe it or not. And one of the guys, Stephen Hamill, has three writing credits. He has this, and then he has Replicas and Rally Car, which are two Keanu movies that are, like, in pre-production right now. So it's weird that this guy literally only writes Keanu movies. Or maybe, or maybe, it's, maybe it's like a nom de plume for Keanu, and he's, like, writing scripts for himself, and he's not putting his name on it. I, I was looking forward to those movies you mentioned, but now after seeing this, I'm a little worried. But hopefully, he it, maybe it's not him, but the other two writers involved here that drove this off course because I definitely you know see a version where this could work like like I think I gave enough examples I don't have to repeat myself but I especially like the one where he the movie opens with him getting out of jail and then you know we slowly learn why he was in jail and why he's robbing the bank uh even though it is kind of dumb and Joey I totally agree with you like the whole saying if you did the time you might as well do the crime like the whole saying is if you do the crime you do the time like the other way around isn't even a saying well that, I, that but that's the point like that's like it's a play on words and like that's why i think it was like somebody who like had that idea to be like oh look how clever i am like, yeah. let's do a movie about this and it's just like that's not enough yeah that's that's what i'm getting at it's it's not a good premise like it's not a strong enough premise i feel because it's just a dumb saying like it's a it's not enough to go on absolutely in the beginning of the movie, when he gets recruited unknowingly to rob the bank, he gets, I guess, invited to join a softball game. I'm like, oh, back to hardball Keanu. Like, where's G-Baby at? R.I.P. G-Baby. Yeah, we don't even have uh, baseball, really, just in uniforms. But, like, can either of you explain to me why Keanu doesn't snitch just so that we have a movie? Like, there's no reason for him to do three years. Maybe he just hated his life so much that he decided he was going to go to jail. 
which I find hard to believe because he's married to the wonderful Judy Greer, who only wants to have a family with him. And he hates, and he hates prison. It's so strange. It, it's, it's, there's no way to read this guy. Like, he's got no personality. Yeah, but does he hate prison? I mean, like, does he hate anything? The only thing I know he loves is scrambled eggs, because that's the only thing he eats <laughs> this entire movie. And he has no dreams, right? Like, that seems to be his big flaw. We come to find out through James Caan, his, you know, crazy lifetime cellmate. Like, he's in there for life. This guy's like a maniac. But, like, he's going to take James Caan's word for it. Like, the reason that Keanu is so messed up and, like, can't feel anything is because he never dreams of doing anything in his life. I didn't buy that as any kind of, you know, motivation for changing his life like i didn't get the sense that he found out what his dream was going to be by the end of the movie and went on to pursue it did he always want to be an actor and and wear that shitty goatee it's so strange (laughs) (laughs) well looking at my notes now they do sort of kind of try to set up a little bit of thing like so Judy Greer visits him in prison. She's like, I, I'm in love with someone else. He's like, okay. <laughs> he literally, though, hold on. He's literally like, yep, okay. That's sure. fine. Like, like, I, I, but that I, is a problem for me. It is a problem. <laughs> it's a very big problem. Ostensibly, between the time that they have that conversation and he gets out, he says, these are the things that I want from the house. You can have the rest. I'm okay. And so she gives him, like, a Xerox box full of stuff. And that's it. Like, that's all the things in the world that he wants. And one of those things is his high school yearbook. And in that high school yearbook, we see his picture, and it's the award that he won was most nicest guy. And I guess that's characterization. He's always been, like, the nice guy, and that... You know, that's why he went to jail, but that's not enough. And then there's, like, something, like, hand-wrote next to their name. It's something really stupid and, like, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it's just, like, why is this in the movie? Like, that's characterization? Yeah, that is the weakest characterization ever, <laughs> I feel. But I got out of that. I even missed the the nicest guy little lo- uh, line there. What I was getting at it was I wondered if that was Keanu's actual high school yearbook picture. Oh, okay. And then he looks down, and the other guy, the guy who wrote, like, the message to him is Fisher Stevens' character. So that was, like, right. Fisher Stevens' high school picture. Um, yeah, it's all so weird, like, why he's reflecting upon that. He's like, oh, what do you know? I went to high school with the guy who got me arrested that I didn't snitch on that is going to waltz back into my life. I'm going to let him shove me around, even though I'm twice his size. Like, I'm saying that now, but it's not like I read that from the scene or anything. You know, I wasn't, wasn't picking any of that up. I'm looking back to my notes again, like, on their first date, Keanu tells Vera that we're going to rob this bank, which is, like, exactly why I think it's a setup. That's where, like, either the switch clicks in her brain, like, I'm going to take this guy for his money, because he has no dreams. Everybody else, I guess, has a dream. Like, James Conn kind of has a dream. His dream is just to stay in prison, I guess. She has a dream that she's this shitty Buffalo wannabe actress, right? And she's on the Buffalato commercial, which is great. Take a chance on life. Take a chance on Buffalo. And she wants to go to Hollywood, even though she's, you know, too old to really make it, whatever. That's her dream. And so to me, it makes sense that she wants money. She needs money to like move out there and try to start a life and like try to start acting out there. Because if you rob $8 million from this bank, that's a lot of money. You can go out there and just try to become an actress. And so like he tells her everything so quickly and they fall in love so quickly and they 
they sip tea with Miss McGill, or they, you know, in Zack Attack parlance, they quadruple space really quickly, and then nothing comes of it. It's just like a regular relationship. Like, what? Yeah, I absolutely felt that that next morning at the breakfast table where she's, like, kissing Keanu and James Caan finds out that she knows everything, I felt there in that scene that that was where the con was starting to go wrong. Like, like I, I was totally believing that James Con and Vera Formiga were setting all this up against Keanu. Yeah, yeah. And that she was sort of diverting from the plan by falling in love with Keanu. And James Con in that scene, I was watching him, and it, and it looked like he was angry at he her is for pissed. other reasons. Yeah. yeah, like, there's other reasons aside from, it's like, you're screwing this up for us, kind of, is what I was reading it as. But no, like, he ends up spending the rest of the movie as like a really polite ex-con helping out at the theater while they're doing the heist But is he really helping out at the theater? Because like he's like, I'm going to volunteer at the theater. And then just like all the time spent there that we see, he's just digging up dirt. But but he actually is like handing out flyers on the day of the performance, and and he's just being a presence there more than I feel like necessary. Even you just I don't feel like he needed to be involved in the theater side of stuff as much. He could have just been sneaking around, like digging the tunnel, doing that kind of thing. He is set up to be such like this guy who could be sort of set off at his parole hearing, to, you know, and be like a madman and, and nuts. But then he turns out to be kind of like a sweet old man by the end of the movie. He lets Keanu get out of the car. Presumably in the scene after this abruptly ends, I assume like he is going to meet up with Keanu and give him his cut. It, it felt against the character up until, you know, the third act or so. It's like he needs to be nice. I saw that breakfast scene as part of the con that it was going well, that her job was to fall in love with him and sort of gain his trust. And so I couldn't tell why he would be pissed, but like they come back and James Con's like, oh no, she knows. But like in his mind, in my mind, in his mind, he's like, oh, this is all going according to plan. That like her job is to sort of seduce him and, you know, set him up in a way. And then none of that happens. There's so many like loopholes in this movie that we could fill with so many different and, quite frankly, better ideas than what actually came out of this movie. Oh, one of my favorite characters that we have not mentioned yet that I would like to, you know, fill in loopholes with or whatever beautiful word you just used, Jess, is <laughs> Frank, the security guard of the bank, uh, who's played by Bill Duke, who's in a bunch of stuff. And he has maybe my favorite line in the movie, just because there's nothing else of note in the movie, but he says, you set up that table, I'll make sure dinner arrives hot. I retire in two weeks. This is it. You set up that table. I'll make sure dinner arrives hot. This guy is a guy two weeks away from retirement. He's just like, man, fuck this bank. Like, let's rob him of a million dollars, which that doesn't make sense either. Like, what? Like, because he is presumably very good at his job. The beginning of the movie, three years earlier, catches Keanu about to rob the bank, stops that. And then after Keanu gets out, he remembers Keanu and then is, like, aware enough and reactive enough to, like, know what's going on. And, like, he's, like, giving the eyes to Keanu and James Conn when they're in the bank. Then he's just like, oh, whatever, like, let's rob the bank. Like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, and he has that little scene of exposition where they're sort of all in the car together, and they're like, why do you want to help us? And it's so silly. Like, he just, like, in that one scene, he just lays it all out. He's like, well, my wife got sick, so we had to spend, like, all of our money on her bills, and then she died, and I'm left with no money, and I wanted to go to Paris. And it's like, whoa, 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 like, slow down, pal. I didn't ask for your life story, but 
yeah, not only did he pull a total 180 and suddenly want in on the whole heist, it's like, here's his whole backstory. Here's all this. Here's all It's like, I don't really need his motivation if it's the movie's just going to decide that all of a sudden he's he wants to be in on it because what the hell at that point everyone's in on it like they have to hire keanu's ex-wife's new husband to help dig fisher steven shows up yeah, and like the reason they do like oh we need another set of hands and like let's go to the only other character in the movie <laughs> yeah heaven forbid we introduce somebody new and interesting and exciting okay and that guy by the way is and maybe i'm missing this wasn't he joe the guy from the beginning who ended up getting him into this place yep, to begin with yep. And I wrote in my notes, some closure that I needed is, does he ever stop puking when it comes to him having to man up about something? So that was what was super weird, because, like, we meet Judy Greer's husband, and it's a guy who is, like, the least remarkable-looking guy. Not, like, an insult to him, but just, like, nothing like nothing memorable about him. I'm like, do we know him? And then I'm like, oh, okay, that was a guy from earlier in the movie. And then he goes away. And then they're like, oh, we need to set hands, and he comes back. It could be three different guys for all we know. It's just like there's no reason for it. And yes, maybe he is puking the whole movie. And we don't see him puke after that um, after that first scene, right? But like, he's got to be puking all the time. No, he pukes the, in the... Yeah, he's puking when he's digging the hole. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, they decide to keep the consistency running with the vomit guy. But like, not, nothing else about any other character feels consistent to me. Not Except for all. Vera Farmiga. To me, she is the one character that I feel like knows what she's doing doing, or at least the one actress that I feel knows what she's doing with what she's given. They also, what I just realized, or I mean, I realized uh, watching the movie, I just remembered, is they don't care at all about leaving fingerprints on things. They leave the guy there, their fingerprints are all over the shovels, I mean, it's in Keanu's dressing room, so he's screwed. They have no qualms about trying to cover up their crime. I don't know what their plan is. There's like a four-hour window, right, where the money is here at, it gets here at eight, and it gets picked up at midnight. And so they rob the bank closer to eight, probably, but best case scenario, somebody's going to discover that money in four hours, and it's probably closer to an hour or two from now. So like, how far away are you going to get when they trace it down? Because they don't like cover their tracks, and then they find out that, that it's the dressing room of Keanu, like, they're not going to be able to get out of the country. Plus, he's on stage. Yeah, he's going to go to jail for another crime he didn't commit. He's bleeding out on stage. He got shot in the leg. He got shot in the leg and then just sort of grits it out and goes on stage. I do want to point out, though, that the robbery having to be the night of the opening night is a very high school musical problem to have. Because in (laughs) high school musical, there is the basketball game and... Gabriella's decathlon, academic decathlon, at the same time as the musicale. So that is, you know, that's all masterminded by Sharpay. Go listen to Zack Attack. You'll, you'll know exactly what's going on over there. <laughs> yeah, here's my problem with it in this movie. Like, that is a high school movie trope. Like, that's an American Pie too. <laughs> like, the dude has to decide, either play the lacrosse game or do the singing thing with the hot girl. And he somehow, and then he leaves the lacrosse game and goes to the he's in, like, the choir with, with the girl that he wants to have sex with, but for the bet. So, like, that's the thing. Like, it's more for comedic effect, I feel, when something like that happens. Like, you mean this is the day of that and I can't do both? Like, it, it just seemed, like, so inappropriate at this point in the movie. Like, why not just have it the day before? And, you know, I feel like that's a lot more, like, okay, so, like, he'll he'll do the heist and then skip town and, you know, halfway through the play, he can show up dramatically and win her back or something. Just, yeah, that that 
was just like another thing. I was like, why is this introduced at this point? And then can we talk about how they rob the bank and they get away and then Keanu bails on them and he returns to the play, I guess after his character had finished his story arc, right? And he comes in and then just reintroduces himself to the play, but not as the character in the play, as his character in the movie. And he's talking to Vera Farmiga as himself, and she's responding in character, and it's, like, working? Like, I think it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. It's just weird. Well, you... You should have gotten on that stupid train. You made a mistake. The mistake would have been getting on that train and not telling you how I feel. No, don't pretend you care about me. Because all you care about is money. You think this is about money? Yes. It's never been about money. You know that. My sister. Is everything all right? Do you need any help? Get out. Lopakin, don't you have a train to catch? Get out. Go away. Well, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. The selfish peasant who's taken the orchard right out from under us. Who's destroying it right in front of our very eyes. Sometimes you must destroy in order to create. We have to let go of our pasts in order to live. You are no angel. I see what you are by your actions. I came back, didn't I? I came back for you. Yeah. I feel like it was just like a stretch to try and tie in him being an actor in the play and what he was doing in his real life. Because it was the story uh, of the play that they were doing, it kind of felt like his character in the play was supposed to be like his character in his real life. And they were trying to marry the two together in a last ditch effort to make this movie something. Yeah, it was trying to pull some kind of like Birdman magic where he like walks through the audience and then like you know what he's saying on stage actually relates to his character's life and everything but like it's such a mess because another thing on top of it all is the play i feel like the play having this double meaning about the movie we're watching or at least the keanu character he's playing a con man in the play he's not a con man in the movie he's a he's a He's just like a crook. He's a, he's a boring. No, he's not even a crook. He's a boring straight guy. He's the nicest guy, I guess. Right? He's most nicest. Most guy. nicest guy. Yes. It's just weird that they tried to do the thing. Like we saw this very recently, where someone's reading a book, and that book, on a very sort of superficial level, relates to the themes and plots, or at least the relationship going on between the two people who don't know each other. And I feel like they went overboard with this movie, having the play be like, look, this play is the movie. Like, don't you get it? This is supposed to be a parallel to the Keanu relationship and this. And I just feel like that was a bit too much. If it was a play, maybe something more like Our Town, that was something you don't have to think too hard about, that is sort of just more well-known. And then he comes in at the end and just speaks from the heart. It could have, it might have been a little more entertaining for me. And then the movie ends with Vera just saying, oh, fuck, Henry, and then fade to black, which, like, is exactly, it shouldn't be the way that we're feeling about this. Just about Henry for Henry's crime, like, oh, like, what was the point of any of that? Maybe this movie is so self-aware. But it's not, I don't think it is. It's just, like, oh, boy. Because, like, (laughs) if it was self-aware, like, you wouldn't want to, like, make just a bad movie. It's not bad. It's just boring with weird choices. Which, which is worse than being bad. Yes. Yeah. It's just lame. Like, I wrote lame a bunch, and I don't really <laughs> use that word often. You know, I don't just toss that term around very loosely, but I've felt it here strongly. 
I ran out of notes a while ago. Jess, do you have anything else to say about Henry's crime? The only other thing I wrote down, which, you know, feeds back into the whole, is he mentally unwell? Why is Vera Farmiga okay with being around felons? I wrote down that he just met this woman who ran him over. He stalks her out in this theater and they go on a date at like nine o'clock at night. And then she's like, let's get in the car and go somewhere. And they head to the waterfall. And she's standing there and she says, just think about all the dead bodies rolling around down there. <laughs> and he's like, how romantic. And he's like, oh, let's go get some ice cream and then have sex. There's a whole bunch of bodies down there churning around, caught in the current. It's so bizarro to me. I can't even stand it. Well, I mean, that's like the perfect first date. So isn't it though? I mean, I wish someone would have run me over with their car. I mean, and then yelled at the you, spot. then yelled at you for, ru- yeah. for getting run over. But I love that about her character. <laughs> she's like, "You idiot! Are you okay? Are you okay?" Like, you're no, 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 no. But she's not saying that to him. Really, she's like kindly, quietly apologizing to the person she's on the phone with. Like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have to call you back." And then she hangs up. And then she just goes on continuing to yell at Keanu. Like, she's never nice to Keanu. There, she's only mad at him for like slowing her down knocking off her you know rearview mirror and causing damage to her car like that's it is it just me or is she always being interrupted when she's talking to that guy on the phone isn't it his name i think his name's stanley or stan and she's talking to him when she runs keanu over and then she's talking to him when james con like busts into the car it's kind of like with the scrambled eggs thing it's the only consistency here I wondered if that was even a real person or if it was just part of her personality trait to like always pretend like she's on the phone when she doesn't want to talk to somebody or something, but I guess not. I don't know. That also goes along with the 10 minutes I felt after he got hit by the car that he actually died and the rest of this is just this lame-ass limbo that we're experiencing. Like Vanilla Sky happening all over again. Right, and that he's just such a dullard, like he can't come up with anything fun and exciting to experience in his like <laughs> coma. <laughs> Any other notes, Jess, or is that your your final note about their adorable, perfect first date? I mean, I I think that's about it. I mean, the only other thing I wrote down was right before they have sex, she says, I'm so glad I ran you over. And he's like, me too. And then they just go at it. I don't know. It's like the cherry on the top of this, like, fucked up cake. Mike, do you have any other thoughts about Henry's crime? I just had one connection that I noticed, and it pertains to a very recent Keanu uh, release. So in this movie, when he gets released from prison, he walks home all the way from jail. And it made me think of John Wick 2, where like he just walks from his house to the hotel in Brooklyn and then back again. <laughs> like he's just He just doesn't mind taking a long walk in movies. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. I feel like that's like the Zen Buddhism of Keanu Reeves, the actor. Like, I'm okay walking. And like, he even picks James Caan up from prison. He's like, oh, well, the bus station's not too far away. And James Caan's like, bus? Like, this is not how you pick somebody up from prison. Yeah, maybe that's the environmentalist in Keanu coming out, where he's like, no carbon footprint with the driving, actual footprint with my feet walking. So this is one of, let me let me take a look here. I think the next two are maybe the last two Keanu movies that I haven't seen. We have Generation Um next, and then Man of Tai Chi. But then after that's 47 Ronin, John Wick, Knock Knock, Exposed, and then, you know, last year's movies. And so there's two more movies that I know nothing about, and then it's all into the stuff that I've already seen. So this is almost the end of a Keanu era. 
Wow. For me, going ahead is, I feel like it's the part of his career I've seen the least of is his newest stuff. I've seen the two John Wick movies and Neon Demon, but aside from that, everything else you mentioned... I don't know. I haven't even seen the movie Keanu which, with Keanu Peel or anything. Which we're tentatively doing for this, but I don't know if we should or not. But we'll get to that later. But yeah. But Jess, you will be back for Anyone Can Quantum slash Quantum is Calling, two shorts on YouTube, which I think we're going to do like a quick episode of. So you'll be back Those soon. Those are so. my favorite. There you go. They're going to be better than Henry's Crime. Can you promise us that? Oh, I can promise. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you again in seven weeks. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So for all things Keanu Club, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can see all the episodes that we've done, all the shows on our network. There's a lot of Zach connections, I feel like, to this movie, so go listen to Zach Attack. Mike is on this month's episode of Me and Orson Welles. So also uh, takes place at a theater. So also takes place connection. at a theater, yeah, and there's also like kind of like a weird love story there, too, for no reason. Uh, so lots of Zach connections to this, so go do that. And there's other stuff cool coming out this year. We're wrapping up Keanu in the next couple of months, but there's lots of things for you to listen to at those three places. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jess Collins, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club. Let them knock upon my door Until they hands are black and blue mm. I'm not answering for no one Till my man and I are through Ooh, When we're making love You know the world ain't got nothing Oh, nothing to do Cause when we're making love I won't answer to no chance on life. Take a chance on Buffalo.